Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm Hillary Georgie, and with me today in the press box, actually, is Nathan Makaborski. Hello there, Hillary. And John Schwartz. Hey there. Hey, how is it going? John's sitting way behind us, but it's because, you know, he's sick and we don't want his germs. How's everyone doing? <laughs> Good. Thanks for not giving us pneumonia. Hello, hopefully. hello, we hello, appreciate hello, it. hello, hello. <laughs> um, and thanks to uh, whoever's radio or TV booth this is for, letting, for letting us, us use it. Sadly. The booth. Sadly, it's cleared out, dormant. Yes, unfortunately, the season is over. We are, looking we are at literally a, watching them remove the baseball field from Yankee it's Stadium. It's not a baseball field anymore. Nope. It's very sad. The transition mm-hmm. has begun for the Notre Dame-Syracuse game here in November. I wish it still looked like a baseball field, to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. But it was fun for a couple a couple games. It was. It was a fun ride all season long. And, you know, I mean, I was looking through the... Uh, our covers this year mm-hmm. and it just kind of like reinforced the notion that you know after you know obviously we lost game four and I was upset that the season's over it's always upsetting when it's not ending in champagne and a world series parade we didn't get a that, parade right but you know I thought back about the season as a whole and it's just like I can't believe we won 100 games this year because I mean we've seen some really really strong teams get to 97 98 mm-hmm. And that's an impressive year. And when I'm looking at the covers, it's like, okay, you know, we started off with Boone during the offseason spring, obvious, you know, new manager, obvious choice. Then April, we had Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton on the cover. Mm -hmm. Stanton had a rough April. Rough April. (laughs) Rough April. Not great. You know, a little bit of an adjustment period. Right. But Didi was on fire in April, so we put him on the May cover. Whoops. Uh Not so hot in May for Didi. Yeah. You know, good season overall. Solid, very um, solid. Too bad about the the elbow. You know, yeah. he's had Tommy, he had Tommy John, surgery. John surgery. Yeah, but yeah, that while wasn't he our was, fault, though. While he was on the cover of Yankees <laughs> magazine, that was not one of his his better months in pinstripes. Perhaps his worst month in yeah. pinstripes. But while he was, you know, struggling through May, Glaber Torres bursts onto the scene. Amazing. amazing, amazing job in May. So 
Obviously, you put them on the cover in June. Obviously. Uh-huh. Natural How natural selection. <laughs> Not so good in didn't, June, though. Glaber had a rough June. Didn't break our way. And and things it just kept going like this uh-huh. all season long. And you think about the injuries and just the ineffectiveness that a lot of guys... I mean, you talk about the peaks and valleys of a baseball season. I mean, there were some substantial obstacles that, mm-hmm. that this team had to overcome and uh, to do it and, and win 100 games. I mean, I mean, no no one will ever and no one should ever cry for the Yankees, but I couldn't agree with you more, Nate. This was a season of just incredible injuries, like incredible adversity overcome. I know that it ended bitterly, and I know that like every season that ends, it ended with question marks and some bad feelings and what have you, but this was just an incredible accomplishment, I think to have the season they had and and the shame of it is that when they reached the postseason for the first time you were looking at a healthy team or so we thought mm-hmm. yeah until, yeah you know you were finally seeing this team healthy and you saw that against oakland in the wild card game just what this team could do when healthy but of course i mean right away then hicks gets hurt and then eventually you know dd gets hurt and then the team stopped hitting and <laughs> yeah but man you get to that last inning on game four in game four and you just saw like what this team is it was a pretty cool moment to just watch a team that wasn't going to quit and i and i think we also have to acknowledge one thing which is i think we can all agree the absolute best thing about the new york yankees the thing that we should be the proudest of is that by rule no one on this team can look as stupid as craig kimball does (laughs) Um, i mean i just think we have to be really really appreciative of that you mean like physically his his, you're bothered by his delivery i'm so bothered by his beard i'm bothered by the way the beard looks when he's doing the stupid bird pose as he gets ready to deliver the ball I, I, I will not exactly uh, be the number one person, as I sit here with my unshaven face, um, for the Yankees. <laughs> You're <laughs> more groomed than him. Grooming though. policy, but my God, am I glad that there can't be anyone on this team who looks like Craig Campbell. Wow. Am I allowed to say this stuff on our podcast? I or think no? so. John I mean, with the shots fired. Strong opinions. This isn't the Boston Red Sox podcast. So I think we'll be okay. However, if Craig Kimbrell fires a pitch at you in the press box next year. He'd miss. Are you right. kidding me? <laughs> oh, wow. wow. I'm going to take the Cashman Road and not comment on another this team's player. probably a solid, <laughs> solid choice there. Isn't he a free agent after this year? Oh, what if boy. he pitches here next year, John? We're giving you, this, we're giving you're gonna, you the future you're story, You're doing John, the cover story on Craig Kimball. Let, let him aim for me. I think I'll be safe. <laughs> <laughs> One guy who, though, does not have issues with that with with getting his pitches in the right places most of the time Masahiro Tanaka who we're going to talk a little bit about on this episode because in our last issue of the regular season um the October issue I wrote about Masa and his five years with the Yankees is it five I yeah, think so five years and now uh 30 games over 500 in those five years which is he's paid that's, off that's I pretty think. solid yeah yeah but you're right I mean the the command uh that usually is there for him for for so many different pitches too Mm -hmm. it's really unique and it's rare and it's something that in your story I I got a kick out of reading just sort of the the awe that his teammates have for it uh, because you you spoke to uh, a number of his teammates Mm -hmm. and they're just as impressed as we are probably even more so yeah at at what he's able to do at at the major league level my favorite was um, I was talking to Luis Severino 
And he said, when you grow up in the Dominican, you are just taught to throw hard and throw it as hard as you can, get it over the plate and just go from there. And he was like, but Tanaka, oh my God, he can do whatever he wants with that baseball. He can throw a split. He can throw a change. He can throw a curve. Like he can do anything he wants, put it wherever he wants and fool batters in a different way that Luis can. And that's... 100% 100% true. Yeah. And you can, you know, see why he has that uh, holds command in such a high regard. You know, when when Luis does have his tough outings, he generally points to, you know, I wasn't able to command my fastball. Right. He wasn't able to put it exactly where he wants every time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We think of, at least I do, you know, I think of, well, you're good enough to pitch in the majors. Uh, you can put the ball wherever you want to every right. time, right? Well, no, it's not that simple. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. And Tanaka seems to just have a really firm grasp on what he needs to do out there every time. And what always impresses me with Tanaka is I feel like every single time I watch him, there's inevitably a point where he might be in a jam. And whenever that happens, he's just at a whole different level. There's just a whole different gear he can get to. And he can throw like the nastiest split ever and strike a guy out when the bases are loaded, which is what I talked about, I think, in like the intro to my story. He was bases loaded and nobody out. He struck out two guys and then got the last guy out. Nobody scored. And I was like, this is incredible. And they didn't end up winning that game. Not really his fault, but it was such an outing that was like quintessential, like every Mm -hmm. single time. And I feel like I watched Chinaka a lot this year, just like the way our schedules worked out and the games that I worked. I felt like I was always watching Tanaka. And like I said, it seemed like that happened every single game that I watched. I always find it's such it's so difficult for me. God, I love watching Tanaka pitch. I mean, he's just an artist on the mound. You know, you see, especially in a situation like you're describing, Hillary, you know, when he gets off the mound in those spots, you see this generally kind of stoic guy kind of like just explode off the mound. And, you know, I desperately want to talk to him about his emotions in those situations. Mm -hmm. But obviously with the language barrier and the fact that he has extra boundaries set up both just in terms of the type of person he is but also you know the fact that he has extra handlers and you need a translator and things like that you know it's just so hard to really get to understand what is going through his head and then like you know you go to Severino and he'll give you a thesis about all the thoughts as he's coming off the mound in that situation and CC will joke make fun of himself I've talked to Tanaka plenty of times obviously I, I know that both of you have done more extensive features with him than I ever have but it's like, I just wish that I could get a really good sense from him about what his mindset is in that specific moment. He told me, and this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but he told me that in those situations, the most important thing is that you really need to want it. You mm-hmm. need to be like, this is the only thing that matters. This is the only pitch that matters. And if I don't do this, then I'm going to be disappointed in everything else that happens. That's that's exactly it, for sure. And I, and I believe him. But it's as stupid as, like, I would love to know what word he's screaming mm-hmm. when he's screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds really basic, but I actually really mean it. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I wish that there was some way. And, and he's just not the type of person he is, and I respect that. And he, he doesn't need to, and he doesn't want to be an open book. And that's his choice. But man, I think he's a really interesting dude. He's obviously super funny, super popular among his teammates. Mm-hmm. We obviously get the impression that, you know, he can communicate with them pretty easily. Yes. Um, on, you know, basic things. But he just, you know, he has this a very, very, very firm barrier up when it comes to letting outside people in. And I, I just think it's too bad. And, and I don't blame him. But I just think it'd be fun to know him a little better than we do. When I was doing reporting for the story, a couple of the guys on background, I feel like a White House reporter, but on background, <laughs> they were like, Tanaka is 
the best judge of character hmm. in the in the clubhouse just because of the language barrier he can observe more and so he kind of gets a feeling for not just players but reporters and hmm. personnel and like you could he people would tell me like they go to him to like see if like oh is this a good guy that i should talk to is this a good person that i should talk to I thought that the quotes from Tanaka in your story, even though they were they were through Shingo, his interpreter, um, were really insightful and really in depth. And the one you mentioned a, a moment ago was I, I thought was really interesting. You don't often hear pitchers talk about the the desire mm-hmm. like that you have to have yeah. to execute a pitch or get out of a jam like that. I don't know if you had ever before this article had a, a chance to really go in depth with, with Tanaka like that before. What were sort of your overall just takeaways after spending some time with him and, and for this? I hadn't. I hadn't really talked to Tanaka really much at all. I did a piece a couple years ago about the Olympics, and I talked to him mm. then, and I've talked to him a little bit here and there for different stories. But I never really had a chance to sit with him and talk to him for a long amount of time. And I was so impressed with him. He's really funny. He understands a lot of what you say, but can't really communicate back. But you can tell like when you're talking to him, and it's always hard when you're talking to somebody who needs an interpreter, but it, just like you're having a conversation with anybody, you look the person in the eye and they look you in the eye back. And I think he acknowledges that there's certain words, certain phrases, certain questions he understands. And uh, he would like he would laugh if I made a joke. So I think like... He, and he makes jokes too. Like he'll joke to Shingo, and Shingo will kind of interpret. And it'll be. And he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a, a jovial guy. Like he's happy to talk to you. I, at least he was happy to talk to me. He was smiling the whole time. But he was really insightful, more so than I was expecting him to be. Because when I asked him questions, like you ask a lot of baseball players, you expect a certain kind of answer. A certain um, length of answer, yes. too. <laughs> uh, but he was happy to go on, and uh, th- I thought what he said was really interesting, and he was really open, more so than I was expecting him to be. But I think that's just because of the language barrier. You don't expect as much as you get, but I think you get a lot, both like on a personal level and on a professional level. I think he's really an insightful and helpful and really, really smart guy. Mm-hmm. And he's turning 30 at the beginning of November. Mm-hmm. And he acknowledges, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm getting up there. Like, I can't pitch the way other people pitch. I can't do the things other people do. But, like, I know my game. And if I can execute my game, then I know that I can be successful. He's got this confidence about him that comes through regardless of what language he's speaking. You know, the thing I like about what we do in, in this story in particular is since we're a monthly magazine, we're not often talking about the ins and outs of a of a particular baseball game, we're talking about more sort of the overall, you know, mindset mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, as we've mentioned before on the podcast, Austin Romine is such a great resource for us in, in terms of understanding what a lot of these pitchers are thinking out there. And um, he also had something really interesting, uh, several interesting things to say about Tanaka in this feature, I thought. You know, obviously we've seen what Masa has done in October on the mm-hmm. on the big stage. I mean, he's had five postseason starts, I think, here now, and his ERA's one and in, a half. In the ones, yeah. yeah. So clearly he's, you know, not scared of the big moment. And Romine talks about what he does during the regular season in those starts that allows him to perform that way right in yeah october. like he he puts himself basically on an october mound 
in an April start. Mm. Every start is the most important start. Every inning is the most important inning. Every pitch is the most important pitch. There is not one that is weighted above or below another one. And Austin is like that intensity that he brings to the mound is what makes him successful in the big moments. Because if he treats every moment like a big moment, then when the big moments actually come, it's just a regular moment. Right. And it's fine. It's pretty amazing the way he has performed in total in the five years since he's been here. I mean, you know, you look at the money that's involved and a lot of the outcomes that come from these situations. And I mean, he has just been so consistent, so reliable, especially the later you get in the season. Like you said, he's going to be 30. I think he's an old 30 in the sense that, you know, especially Japanese players, mm-hmm. they're really performing in prime time from the time they're about 15, 16. So, you know, he's got more miles on him maybe than some 30-year-olds. But And obviously he has the ticking time bomb in his elbow. But man, I, I, that has just been a triumph of a match between team and player, I think, so far. I, I think it's almost hard to imagine how it could have gone better so far than it's gone. He's been more steadily consistent than I expected Mm -hmm. when he first came over because when he came over you did hear the stories about the elbow and it was like you know everybody was kind of speculating oh it's only a matter of if not when he's going to need elbow surgery or whatever he hasn't needed Tommy John he hasn't missed any real significant amount of time and I remember when he first got here he like burst onto the scene I mean he started like 11 and 2 or something um, he would have been an all-star, but then he ran into elbow trouble. So you're like, oh, this is how it's going to be. He's either going to be like dominant or not out there at all. And it's been nothing like that. I mean, no. he's, he's made probably at least 25, 27, yeah, think, maybe 30 yeah, starts every year. 27 starts at least every year. And low ERAs, wins games. Like I said, 30 games over for his Yankees career now. Um, just like a steady guy who, like you mentioned before, is like fun to watch because he's just such a craftsman out there you know it's so fun to watch him because like i said and like he said and like everybody i talked to said he doesn't pitch like everybody else pitches anymore he's not throwing 100 miles an hour at you he's not just throwing fastballs he has pretty much an even split among the pitches that he throws he throws like 33 percent splitters 33 percent fastballs 33 percent um sliders or whichever one is the other one he just works every pitch he works every hitter he is really determined to get swings and misses, and he gets a lot of them. You have to figure, in my opinion, that he was getting the ball in the game five if there was one. I mean, yeah. it was technically Hap's turn coming up in the rotation, but I think Tanaka was – he was on he would have been on regular rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. That would have been a good game. Who knows if Sale would have pitched, considering for some reason he came in the eighth inning. But <laughs> that would have, that would have been – that would have been something to watch. Yeah, I was sitting next to you, Nathan, and Sale came in. I was like, I guess they just don't want to play at all tomorrow because, like, who else are they going to pitch tomorrow now? Yep. I mean. It worked out for them, I guess, but like, still crazy. That, that would have been a hot topic of conversation. <laughs> Tanaka or Happ in game five. And I, I think you're right. It probably, I think Tanaka might have gotten the edge just because of how well he's done in the postseason. Could you imagine what would have happened if that call had been overturned and the Red Sox had to, like, uncelebrate and clear the field and start <laughs> playing baseball again. It'll happen. We'll, we'll see it one of these days. Yeah, for sure. I'm not worried about that at all. <laughs> that, was, that, was a certain, that, was, that was definitely one way for a postseason series to end. Uh, yeah. It was a very 2018 way for a postseason series to end. Yeah, that was another... Uh, I mean, look, like we said, anytime your, your season ends short of a World Series parade, it's a bit of a bummer. Watching the Red Sox celebrate on your field is... For the second time in a month? Yeah. Not not Look, what I you mean, want. 
And the second straight time that we faced him in the postseason. I guess, hey, yeah. maybe, maybe, I hate to be the one to say this, maybe it's time to stop inviting Bucky Dent to throw first pitches here. <laughs> seeing as how we did it in Game 7 of 2004 also. You can blame this on Bucky. I'm gonna, uh, I think Bucky needs to be held to account for this. Bucky bleeping Dent. He's yeah, no. twi- switched it around now. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, seriously, Hillary, great story. Great, uh... <laughs> Great, great look at a guy who, like I said, I mean, and and this is not meant as a dig on. It. He's a tough guy to write about, I think, but I think you did a great job of really getting inside how he works and what makes him so interesting. Thanks. It's called Split Personality, and you can find it on Yankees.com/magazine. And coming right up, we're going to talk about another story in the October issue about Whitey Ford. So stick around. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. All right, we're back. Let's talk about Whitey Ford. Whitey Ford, who turns 90 this weekend. Wow. The Yankees legend. Happy birthday, Whitey. Happy birthday, Whitey. I mean, how great is it to... I mean, we had him on the cover of Yankees Magazine Mm -hmm. earlier this year on Old Timers Day. Old Timers Day, yep. And now we've got a full feature on the Yankees all-time wins leader. And a New York native. So we figured with him turning 90, let's do it. Let's Why do not? a full feature. So we, we made a call to the bullpen for this one. Called on our friend Anthony McCarron. The angle of this I love because it's not just about, you How know. How great a pitcher he was. Right. No. Because, I mean, look, there's tons to say there. But um, there's so many stories about Whitey that we felt it would be it would behoove us to try and compile just a small fraction of them. And um, I thought... Anthony did a great job. I mean, he's got from teammates to, you know, Roy White is in here and Joe Pepitone and you hear from Al Downing and Tim McCarver and Joe Torre, Jim Cott. Like, there's so many guys with so many stories. and Legends in their own right. Talking yeah. about another legend. It's, and, it's always fun to go down that memory lane. He, he could have kept going forever because anybody who crossed paths with Whitey has a story. But um, I, I love the ones that are in here um, just about – his personality and what a fun-loving guy he was. And I think the thing that I appreciate is that, you know, obviously we're all too young to have been around to watch those, you know, Yankees dynasty teams of the 50s and early mm-hmm. 60s. But, you know, we've all kind of gotten a sense of what they were about. And it was like they could have easily been a, you know, kind of buttoned up operation. Sure. You know, writers would compare the rooting to, for the Yankees to rooting for U.S. Steel. But the personality of those teams was far from it. And, and Whitey had a lot to do with that, you know, just keeping the clubhouse loose and, you know, ripping on teammates and, and you know, giving rookies a hard time and stuff like that. But all from a, a place of love. And, you know, that, that stuff matters. He's definitely the guy when you look at those teams that, like, you know, it's like, who do you want to, like, go back and hang out with? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know if it would have been that awesome to hang out with Mickey Mantle. What? It wouldn't have been awesome. To I would have liked Mickey it. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I think it would have been great, and then it, the nights would have ended badly. Uh, I, I, I think there was a little bit more good nature, like maybe some more ideas of when to call it quits with Whitey. But man, like he just seems like the most fun. And you see it, he still has such a mischievous smile. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Like that cover that we ran. I mean, you know, you just know that this guy is scheming. (laughs) And I've been around this team for 
you know, like a decade and a half at this point. And obviously there's a difference between 75-year-old Whitey and 90-year-old Whitey, but he's just kind of one of those guys that, like, you know, not to sound grim or whatever, when he's gone, it's going to be a real shame. Um, it's going to be really hard to get something like that back because for so long, he's just been this guy around with this connection to all these names in Monument Park, kind of like, you know, he personifies that era so much right now that it's just so awesome to have him around when he's here. Yeah, and I didn't realize, like, I am the youngest member of this crew here. and But I grew up a Yankees fan, and I knew who Whitey Ford was when I was a kid because you know, everybody talked about Whitey. But, like, I never really dug too deep into, like, who he was and his personality. Like, that was never something that I looked into. So this was really fun for me to find out, like, how funny he was and just how, like, lighthearted he kept things. It was just really interesting to find out, like, that that goes all the way back and he was one of those guys and is still kind of one of those guys who is can crack a joke and you know pull one over on you and the thing is i mean and especially always this time of year you know you, you start hearing about postseason records of any kind and you take everything with a grain of salt now because no knock on andy pettit but you know andy pettit for his entire career had three rounds to make postseason starts which these guys didn't you still see whitey ford's name yeah. on all these records mm-hmm. and there wasn't even a league championship series that it was just the world series but he was so reliable and so consistent and every year he would be and obviously the yankees were too his name is still on all of these pitching records or high in the list of all these pitching records because he was just always there in the world series yeah it's really impressive this was you know as an editor like a really fun story to work on Mm -hmm. because you know we we tabbed a a writer who i don't think has written for us before i think one time before one time only that yeah um so you know it it comes in uh, via email and you're not really sure what to expect and i just kind of give it a first read and like planning on sort of glancing over it um just to you know eyeball it real quickly and like I couldn't stop reading. Like I just, you know, I wanted to read every paragraph and read every anecdote because mm-hmm. I, I thought they were all so good. And then, you know, after we go through a little bit of the editing process, then it's time to find the photos. And um, so we have here at Yankee Stadium photo archives of literal physical prints and what? And <laughs> yes, hard copies, non-digital photos what? <laughs> what's that so and for guys like whitey i mean they're they're these folders are thick i mean there's tons and tons of photos of him uh that have been on hand here in our archives for decades and to have to narrow it down to a few that are representative of this story was a challenge but a fun one because i mean there's just so many photos that work perfectly yeah. with this story you know kind of goofy yeah kind of there's, just there's, like fun it's not hard to find photos of him smiling or winking or with that mischievous smile so uh you know we pulled some of our favorites and um of course a couple of the classic just you know posed shots of him in uniform from from back in the 50s too which you can never go wrong with and i don't know hillary did you have a, a favorite anecdote in here was there one that that the one about when he was uh, talking to Reggie Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember. <laughs> he, I, I, he was like something about like, Ted Williams yeah. hit, I don't know, three hundred or something, and I don't know. But he like didn't actually know Ted Williams's stats, but was just like making Reggie Jackson feel bad because he didn't hit well enough. I love that one too. <laughs> like Reggie asked him, uh, I forget who told this story. It might have been Tori telling this yeah. story, but. Reggie asked Whitey one day uh, up at the Hall of Fame, you know, how do you think I would have done off of you? Uh-huh. 
And he's like, Ted Williams couldn't hit a lick off me. You, how do you think you would have done? <laughs> and like, you know, I, I looked it up and <laughs> it was complete like fabrication. Really? Like, he was just like messing with Reggie. Ted Williams was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was, was the like, type of guy know. he was. You know, nobody was spared from, mm-hmm. from Whitey's wit. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a story in there about um, that Jim Cott told about being in uh, the visiting bullpen and hearing Whitey pitching next to him and, you know, asking him how he threw a certain pitch and the fact that, you know, Whitey could have been like told this young kid to get yeah. out of here. Yeah. But instead he showed him a grip and Cott said it really uh, impacted his career. So, you know, there's a lot of sides to Whitey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this this piece, you know, certainly while it focuses on one side of him, the, the kind of fun-loving side and what he brought to those teams uh, off the field, um, it also provides some glimpses into some of the other attributes that, that Whitey had. Who do you guys think would be the Whitey Ford of this Yankees team? It's CeCe. I mean, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the kind of like the, uh, well, the lefty workhorse who, who brings teammates together and it's kind of like a, a glue guy. He's part of the... You kind of figure he walks into the restaurant first and yeah. everyone kind of follows him in. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. I like, let's go down. Call. You know, Sevy, I think... I think Sevy can be can be there eventually. Can get there. I think yeah. Sevy certainly has the personality. I mean, he is always laughing and smiling and everything like that. You know, for all of Tanaka's charm and incredible talent, I don't think that he's exactly uh, this kind of trying to be this kind of character. Even yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I think it's CC, and I and I think I actually think that look, I mean. God willing, CC lives 50 years older than he is right now, you know? <laughs> I could see him having a similar kind of life in retirement, just being kind of one of those guys who's happy to every so often show up and wave at the crowd and kind of maybe not run run down the baselines on uh, I can see him day. enjoying some old-timers days in the future, for I sure. So. He's, gonna, yeah. he's, he's the type of, he's going to throw at people at old-timers day. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to go all out when he's on that mound. <laughs> Fans no, will love that, it. I, I, I like the idea of CC there. Yeah, so, you know, maybe uh, when he's turning 90, we'll be doing a piece on what he brought to the uh, (laughs) mid-teens. Let's be back here in 52 years, what are you going to say? Yeah, we'll make a pact. Put it in blood. (laughs) 11 (laughs) a.m. Right in this booth. Oh, man. Yeah, so that's uh, the story's called Mow Em Down. It's by Anthony McCarron. It's in the October issue of Yankees Magazine, which if you're a subscriber, you should have received couple weeks ago now yeah, hopefully <laughs> and, uh, if not let us know yeah, letters at yankees.com or podcast at yankees.com yeah you can really send letters at yankees.com any number of subjects it doesn't just have to be that you're missing an issue yeah, yeah. We, we like fan mail you know mm-hmm. if you like what we're doing we like to hear about that and even if you don't let us know yeah we like to improve we're already planning for 2019 so tell us what you want to see more of what you want to see less of yeah. we hope you'll All stick with stuff. us uh, over the off season because while the offseason started earlier than people hoped, uh, we have some fun podcast content planned uh, for the next couple months as we get ready for 2019 and look back on 2018. And some of it will be lighthearted. Some of it will be, you know, more serious. But we're going to have some fun yeah. these next few we are, months. We are already cranking away at some stories, some ideas, some interesting content coming your way. So. John, John used the term offseason. I don't know what that word means. No, anymore. we don't That's, have an I'm sorry, I meant football season. <laughs> winter. winter. Okay, fine. The winter season. New era pinstripe ball season. Yeah. <laughs> it's football season here at Yankee Stadium. They're literally making a football field. It's very sad. 
Tweet at us at Yakes Magazine, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.